Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 217 for December 10th, 2021. On today's show, artist Annalisa Barron. If you'd like to support this show, go to patreon.com slash vanarchism. You'll get early access to every episode, plus a monthly bonus show. I'd like to thank a Patreon supporter by name on each episode. This week, my thanks go out to David P. from England. Thanks, David. As you're listening to this, it is Friday the 10th of December, and that means I am in Vermont's Northeast Kingdom, back where I was living for five months. I'm here this weekend to dog sit. This is the probably the final long road trip I'll take before the end of van life. As you know, after Christmas, I'm planning to move to Albany, New York and get a job and an apartment and settle down for some amount of time. And between... Now and then, I have some miles to cover. I started out in PA earlier this week, drove to Albany, then came up here to Vermont, and then after this, I'm headed for a week to upstate New York to hang out with my sister. And then after that, I am, well, actually, at the end of that time in upstate New York, some friends from California are flying in, or actually training in, which sounds even more exciting. And so I'll be picking them up at the train station, having a little lunch, and then driving back down to Pennsylvania, where I will spend Christmas and possibly through New Year's, a little muddle there as to how long I'll be there. But anyway, some amount of that time. I've already started applying for jobs in Albany and looking for apartments, and if you're listening to this and you happen to know of a job or an apartment or a room in Albany, uh, please do let me know, jason at abriefchat.com. So things are taking yet another turn, but the podcast isn't going anywhere, and speaking of the podcast, let's dive into this week's episode with a person who's just absolutely fascinating. Here's Annalisa Barron. Annalisa Barron, welcome to A Brief Chat. Thank you. It's wonderful to spend some time with you again. Maybe we could start even just by describing the space that we're in and the kind of things that go on here in this space in as far as your art. Absolutely. All right. So we are in downtown Rochester. We're above the Rochester Contemporary Art Center in the Rocco Upstairs, which is about uh, six artist spaces. They're kind of like offices. Some of them are more suited to folks that work in graphic design, and some of them are more suited to people who work in mixed media. So there's a couple um, interdisciplinary people up here that are so lovely. Um, It's a new group because during COVID, a lot of people left the studios. So we're kind of the new class. I would describe it as I have two separate spaces. One is kind of the outside of the studio display space with pedestals. And that is where I have my my work that's metal and ceramic and any work that I've kind of grouped together where the um, the colors and the paintings or the gestures have a, have the same kind of feel as what's happening in the sculptures near them. So maybe I made them at the same time. And then I have my studio, which is, um, it's just, it's an enclosed room, but it has kind of dark molding and looks a little bit it looks a little bit Rochester. It looks a little bit like an office, you know, your classic office study. Like I should have something that's like an emerald green somewhere. But um, I also love old things. So there's a lot of dark wood that I got from antique stores. Um, but that is where I have my uh, my drafting table. This is where I have my drafting table and my I store things. And um, yeah, it's kind of my, I would say my professionalized office. And so do you actually do work in the space that we're currently sitting in, in this office room, or does that happen at your other? Yeah. So anything that needs to stay clean, or if I'm working with color, like if I'm working with certain colors that have to be on a light surface. um, So if there can't be an intersection, I make it here. Um, Anything that 
is larger, is going to have heat involved with it. Anything that's going to get really messy, I don't make here. And when it's done, I bring here. So uh, I just want to make a note to the listener. If you're not driving or doing surgery or something while listening to this, um, if you go in the show notes, there'll be a link uh, to a lot of the work that we're going to talk about in this interview. And I encourage you to, if you have the time, to be looking at that while we're talking, because I think it will make a lot of this a lot easier. And we'll also overcome whatever shortcomings we're about to discover in my interview style where visual art is concerned, because it's not the, <laughs> not the thing I normally talk about. So uh, be exposing a lot about myself in the next uh, 25 minutes. Um, it, uh, this is probably an awful question, but is it possible for you to say to folks kind of what what you're working on these days, what you're what you're focused on, what your work is like, even even like physically, like what what you're creating. totally. Yeah. So um, I have been in and out of a lot of practices where um, I got I got very interested in different types of manual machining. Uh, I wanted to learn ways to make things move. And there's actually a lot of precision involved in making something move. Um, there's also a lot of math and planning. It's very technical. Um, so I began as someone that was interested in drawing and painting and music and was just like very loose. And I loved that. Um, but I just realized how much more you could do when you, when you got a little bit, uh, when you got your face a little bit closer to a ruler, you know what I mean? Um, and so, uh, for years I've been doing these long-term larger projects that, uh, involve a lot of, um, you know, a lot of math and a lot of making sure that you have everything down and doing a lot of R&D and uh, doing experiments, trying to, you know, do a proof for what you'd like to make um, and, you know, drawing things up and sending them off to uh, CNC plasma cutters to have them made. All of it is very controlled. Like there's just these shorter amounts of um, shorter amounts of actual expression and actually like letting something edit itself. Um, so like I've done everything from, uh, fabricate things in metal that are opaque projectors. A lot of my sculpture has to do with film, um, and just kind of how do we play with, uh, reality versus like, like three dimensional reality versus like the projected or, you know, screen reality that we see them portrayed through. Um, so now I'm, I'm kind of trying to go into a place where I am uh, keeping things looser and more gestural and following my own, my own curiosity in a quicker way rather than through, you know, like, okay, I, I have this objective and I'm going to acquire this skill for a couple years before I'm going to be able to make it. So I've, that's how I've pursued a lot of my projects is, you know, like, okay, I know I want to make a forged, um, basically a, a forged machine out of metal that will allow somebody to interact with a projected image. It's like, all right, well, I don't forge metal. So what does that even mean? You know, so then I find out, well, that means you get an apprenticeship and you, you know, you work doing these different things. And I often will get a job doing that thing to learn how to do it in order to make the piece. And um, I've ended up working for some super amazing folks doing that, but it is a very long, long process. So now uh, things are more immediate, they're more gestural, they're more colorful. Um, I've been working with ceramic and metal because all of those things are, um, it's it's just like a, a quicker interaction that you have. Like you're, you're touching the thing, you don't have a lot of degrees of separation between what you're making and um, and how you're getting there, if that makes sense. It's like you put your hands on the ceramic, on the wheel, and you right. change the form. <laughs> there are not five sets of tooling that you have to set up before you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, that I, I haven't had to summarize no. that all of that in a while. It's so, great. And yeah. it's, in some ways, it's, you know, so 
put your life in ten sentences is an unfair yeah. question. Um, to to stay on the on the moving objects for a while, the so to me that's almost like logistics and skill acquisition as art in addition to the art. Like it feels like there's so much. If I just walk into a space and I see the thing that you made, what what went into making it is so huge. But am I am I as the viewer like do you? Are you, do you tell me that at some point in the process? If I if I see the finished product, do I know the story of, well, yeah, I worked in a forge for two years learning how to do this thing so that you could see this? I mean, it seems like that's the story lends so much to the piece. And so I don't know if it, it – do you consider that integral to appreciating the piece or does the piece just stand on its own regardless of what it took you to make it? Well, honestly, the, the story of how these things come about, I, I don't necessarily um... – I don't decide that's going to be something that I say about the piece. Okay. Um, depending on how people want to explore the work, like different different people have such different interviewing styles. They have different things that are, um, they want to highlight in different publications, whatever. And um, if it becomes something that is relevant to that person, so let's say that I'm talking to somebody that has a uh, background in the trades, they will want to know you know, like, how did you acquire these skills? What's that story? And then that is then relevant. You know, it's like, yeah, it took me, you know, a couple of years to work in these fields and learn how to do that. I think the main thing is that, like, the way I experience being inspired is like, is I will go work in some random place to learn how to do a very obscure thing sometimes because I have something that's sitting in my mind and I want to make it. And I think that, um, I think that a lot of people uh, feel they feel that and I, I feel kind of like I I just want to do that as a way for like for, I don't know I wish everybody did that I like really want to know what you know what is X person on the street actually want to be doing right now like what does that person want to make what book would they write like and so I try to I try to do that and I'm a single person without a family and I have a lot less writing on my decisions and stuff and so I try to really chase anything that I feel is interesting enough to chase. And um, a lot of it has been acquiring skill through working with my body over time. And um, so m the way it manifests is, yes, I do need to go work somewhere for X amount of years because it, that's how long it's going to take your body to know how to do that. And that's it, you know, and that's been totally fascinating. It's uh, changed the way I think about all all 3D design, industrial design, you know, the the buildings I walk into, everything. It's been amazing. That's fascinating to me because I I wonder what is it like in terms of your your conception of yourself as an artist or how you might talk about what it is that you do to other people who ask when the thing that you're doing at that period of your life is the skill acquisition part. Oh my gosh. Um I am always the the absolute ingenue entry-level employee at the same time as I am the person with a master's degree that is like right. basically like creating my own PhD program as I go right yeah. so I will want to have these you know conversations about Walter Benjamin <laughs> at the same time as I will be like can you tell me the names of the parts of this machine one more time so I don't electrocute myself <laughs> And I've I have I have basically learned to um, have a good kind of a good sense of humor and to um, honestly to to check myself and to listen in a way that I never even thought of before because 
you know, people try to teach you how to do things. They try to give you information, but like, how often are you like, do I actually understand what you're telling me to do? And when you're in a place like a shop where there's consequences, if you do it wrong, you realize like, okay, you just explained that to me and I caught 30% of it. And I'm going to have to tell you that now, you know? So, um, like I've, I still feel like an 18 year old every time I do those things. So it's, it's wild. It's a wild thing. That seems like a gift in a lot of ways. I mean, to be constantly kind of renewed into this place of I'm having like the primary experience of this. And I mean, that seems awesome. It seems like a thing that a lot of artists would love to be able to constantly do. Oh, and it it gives you this kind of tour of how the different practices like how they hand down that information. So like um, with blacksmithing and knife making, very, very generous. Like that is a um, a practice of skill sharing where people get together and they have these conferences and, and you can learn from these different people exactly how you do this. You would never see that with like abstract painters, like somebody coming in and saying like, hey, this is how I paint. Why don't you as a group all learn it? No way, you know what I mean? And then, you know, architects are their own they're their own animal, you know, it, it just all, it's just really fascinating because none of them are really the same. Um, and then sometimes, sometimes the most successful people are the most generous people. And you'll be in a field where people are kind of uppity and singy and negative, and you will find one of the most successful ones of them is totally different than all the other ones. Right. Um, and, and yeah, so yeah, I, I have kind of thought that like the skill acquisition it's definitely part of the work, but it's also the thing that I feel like I want to find a way to share. And short videos have been a way to do that, but I haven't found like the proper way to do it because it has been some some things that happen. I'm just like, man, like I wish that I could like write a book about just this place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Does it? I imagine the amount of infrastructure a lot of those jobs requires makes it harder for you to share if you don't have the infrastructure yourself is right. right? Yeah. But I mean, like, it could be, it could be just something where like, for example, um, I wanted to continue building and working with my hands after undergrad. And I worked with 12, <laughs> 12 Romanians laying laminate flooring in a series of apartment buildings. That's my favorite. They might College. be Giants album. Yeah. 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 Um, and I basically they had, they had a family that had come over from, Romania, they'd started a construction company in Chicago, and they were subcontracted through Home Depot to all these different things, right? But it was this like, like they, they, I, I kid you not, they hired me because they had never seen a woman like use a hammer. So they just wanted to like, meet me as like entertainment. You know, so they hired me then like, didn't tell me that, obviously. And like, half of them spoke English or whatever. And I would work with them like individually and they and they all I couldn't read them. I was like, what is happening? You know, because I would go and I would help them and they would just be like silent about it. And then they got like after I'd worked with a bunch of them, they were like, you know what? We didn't think <laughs> we didn't think you'd be able to use a hammer. This is awesome. You know what I mean? And just like they they became like this really cool group of people. But I realized how their experience of women doing that kind of work and to like just and you know to be in the united states and like meet someone i think it was 25 at that time but meet somebody that was like no i i want to be working with my hands and this is what i would like to be doing with my life and this is my interest you know it's like how do you do this was absolutely unthinkable to them 
So stuff like that has been part of it, which is not even really related to art making, but just like what what is it like to even try to be in these male spaces as a woman for any reason, whether you're an artist or not, you know? So those have been the things where I'm like, you know, I wish there was, but I don't know how to re fully record that, what it's like to be in that space and have this giant Romanian man <laughs> look at you, use your hammer as you hammer in the threshold piece. <laughs> you know, like... Uh, that gave me uh, very intense vibes of being in Japan and having a Japanese person compliment me on being able to use chopsticks and then saying, like, you know, like one third of the people on the planet Earth use chopsticks every day, right? Right. Like not, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. not an exclusively Japanese thing that yeah. to be able to know how to yes. do. And, uh, like, I'm not complimenting you because you can use a spoon, you know, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's just some vibes of that. Um, so, okay, so uh, the, the one thing about I'm learning very quickly about you in the course of this interview is I will get. I have to not get sucked down one of the 87. Yeah, million. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. Please don't apologize. I just think like this could be a 27 part interview where we just talk about, okay, this one weird experience that you had. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So um, my, uh, my probably incorrect, but my vision of the, not necessarily progression, because I don't want to suggest that it's moving toward a goal, but of the, of the changes of your art that I have seen are that I watched you make very big, complex, what I think are very big, complex things. And I've watched you make smaller, complex things, like are in the next room. And then recently have watched a bunch of 2D things start to appear as well, which seemed to me to be absolutely unlike everything that you were doing before in all of the ways they physically manifest but to not necessarily be disconnected from the vision of what you were doing before. And one of the things I was kind of thinking about as I, we were uh, making the plan to get together to do this was whether there's like a through line for you in that story or whether it's now I'm interested in this and now I'm interested in this and now I'm interested in this. And they don't have to be, they don't have to be informing each other, these different kind of media that I'm working in or the, you know, uh, there doesn't have to be a through line. It doesn't have to be a story there. It can just be changing interests and passions as I move along. It's kind of a tough one because like there, there, there are a bunch of things that can go into a person all of a sudden doing something very differently than they used to do it. You know, they're like, they're just like a, the same kind of series of epiphanies and stuff will make you think like, man, like that vermilion is just making my day better. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I want to be closer to that vermilion. And then you're also like, ooh, but if I inhale this pigment, it might give me cancer. And you're like, that's just like brightly colored, you know, bugs that have are poisonous. The vermilion can also kill you, you know? Um so the yeah, the new the new work, I mean, I don't think anybody went on you know, went without changing a bit after the past like two years, you know? Yeah. Um and a lot of the work right now is just a lot simpler and quicker than the other things that I've made. And I think that that just comes from, uh, you know, wanting, wanting to actually be making more art, like as an artist and be less of a project manager and less of someone that is like basically going into an entirely different field to execute these projects where like with public art projects, you are absolutely the admin organizer where you will be on your email scheduling things way more than you ever thought, you know? So um, the stuff you're seeing now is like, all right, if I have a Friday, if I have Friday, I can make my paint on Friday morning and I can paint my pieces and, you know, I can 
be thinking about them and maybe building on them by the next day. And that's a totally new experience for me. Like that never really has happened before. And it's it's really funny because I feel like a lot of the success of my prior work is due to how much work you can see in it. You're, you just look at it and you're like, wow, there's somebody worked on that for a really long time, you know, and these do not look like that. You know, these you can see like the, you know, the landing and takeoff of each brushstroke and that was it, you know, and I really like to see the the difference in how they're they're read. Do they capture different amounts of your life as a result like a piece that you make in a day is that a different kind of snapshot than a piece that you worked in a black with a blacksmith and forged and blah 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 blah. blah. well the thing is a lot of the work um before where i was acquiring that skill and stuff is very separated from anything about my actual life in a way you know like a lot of the a lot of painting because it's so immediate and and direct i feel like it's much more of an unconscious imprint than you ever intended to be. Like even whenever I, you know, have critiques with my students, if they were nervous and they were worried about messing up, you can see the line of their pencil wiggling. They can't make long, confident marks whenever they feel a certain way, you know. And so that's how that's like the fascinating thing about these quick paintings and quick drawings is like they are going to be the mark of exactly what was happening at that time in my body, which I love, and that's my actual life. So before it was exploration into, you know, the craft and the material and the external. And, you know, like I learned way more about like the periodic table, of the elements and anything about myself and years and years and years. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So did you have to work into a place where you felt OK being vulnerable enough to make snap, you know, snapshot? I keep calling them snapshots, which is not it's not a good description of what they look like. But I mean, things that are much faster than multi-year projects i did not have to work to get to this place it was actually a place where it was like i think i was working a lot more to get to the things that were complicated because i felt like i needed to and now i'm kind of like yo you're gonna get 45 minutes of my of my life right now and it is it is good it is enough (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) like like that is and and i will you know and i will like fully be doing what i want to be doing right now you know and that has been really lovely it's just been really lovely and um and i have things that go on instagram and they get 10 likes and i'm like i am putting that above my bed (laughs) and i have stuff that goes on instagram and somebody buys it in like a minute or people want to show it or whatever and i'm like "Mm, i really want to remake that thing that feels a lot better than being in like, you know, you are, you're a freaking, you understand this. You're an entrepreneur when you're doing like different types of creative work. And that does not have a time that it begins or ends. Yeah. I'm trying to just make my experience of this feel different. Do you, are you getting different kinds of feedback from people in this new phase of what you're creating than in these other phases? Is, what have you noticed? In terms of- well, I mean, the way, the way I think about paintings is you are, you live with them. You know, like some like you experience them usually in interior spaces, right? They paint the way that you're going to feel when, you, when you're in a room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so if you're sitting in a room with the scream, you know, that's very different than sitting in the in the room with um, water lilies. You know what I mean? Uh, so I do think about, you know, what I want to live with this painting, you know. Um, but I also, as I put things out, like... Um, because I feel like painting painting is something that people also think of as being in a space with them. 
You know, they don't think about like you, you look at an outdoor sculpture and they think about being outside with that sculpture. When you see a painting, even if it's just in the square on Instagram, you're still thinking about being in a room with that painting in my mind anyway. Um, so I have people tell me some really beautiful personal things as to why they've connected with the work. And that's like, I like most people I've spoken with that are artists like that's the, that is the, the most just special, wonderful thing about this job is, is basically hearing why people connect. Um, and, you know, it's that that has been really cool. And, yeah, that does happen with 2D work more than the 3D work. But it happened, I would say, the medium it happened the most with was film, when there's music and imagery, you know, and some kind of physical character, right? Um, I did a film as an installation with uh, Bunker Projects in Pittsburgh in 2013 and had a lot of people respond to that film in a way that I wasn't. Like, I didn't really know how to handle it. It was like I had I had been really raw when I made it. And then people got really raw, like in person with me. And I did, had no idea what to do because <laughs> yeah. I was like this. We're not being raw anymore. I made the film. The film's out. <laughs> like, we're not in the room editing the film. <laughs> like, I can't do this. Door is yes. Please step back five paces. <laughs> yeah. It's like I gave birth to the baby now. OK. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, um. You mentioned a couple times your students. I'm curious what kinds of students you, you have. Who are you working with? What what are you working oh, on? With okay, that? so I teach in the foundations department at RIT, okay. Rochester Institute of Technology. Um, and I teach uh, 3D design one and two. It's their first experience making objects. So they use a shop. They're only working with their hands. And I teach drawing too as well. So um I kind of take it from a more contemporary drawing angle where it's like, why do we make drawings anymore if we can take photos? Like, why do we need to directly represent things and only show our technical skill, you know? Um, So with my students, they are so young, like they're, you know, they're freshmen. So it's kind of like being a camp counselor too. Um, So mostly with my students, like what I was saying about having to sort of always embrace the being the, you know, ingenue entry level worker, you know, whenever I like am able to be with them in the shop or be with them in any situation where they have no idea what's going on. Like even sometimes just holding an X-Acto knife is like, you know, like I had a student just, just when he opened the X-Acto knife, slit his hand open immediately. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they, I'm not kidding. They vomit, they pass out, they sob. Like, like people's nervous systems are really activated by loud machines and it's their first time in a wood shop, you know? So as far as like fear and just being in a totally unknown space, um, I, I feel for them, you know what I mean? So when I'm, when I'm teaching my students, it's it, a lot of the times I'm drawing from my own, my own time being completely like unaware, completely new and just, and hating well not even hating being treated like that but also realizing that's a necessary time you know what i mean um so yeah so teaching has been teaching has made a lot of my really unpleasant experiences feel like they were for like a good reason you know (laughs) it's like oh so i was terrified of compressed gas for years because i needed to understand like your fear of this miter saw right now you know yeah so and are these students who are who are intending to go on to have careers in the arts they're all like yeah so this is all in the college of art and design so it's everything from glass blowing to painting to 3d digital design all of them so it's the spectrum and so learning all of these new techniques is part of what they have to do no matter what it is what medium they intend to work in yeah Mm -hmm. okay yep yeah and so did you go through a similar thing yourself or did you do that to yourself with your million apprenticeship 
Um, well, I, um, when I was their age, I was in AmeriCorps in Washington State. Um, and I didn't go to undergrad until I was 22. So I, <laughs> State College, you know, is a very strange place. And when I moved there, there were no places to live. So I gutted this room in a boarding house. I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole. But long story short, I moved there in the middle of the semester and had to just take these random classes. And I took like fantasy literature, Rus Russian history, <laughs> like all these random courses and thought I was going to be in anthropology and everything. And uh, the room that I gutted, uh, it had basically been lived in by a man who had died the year previous to that. And I wanted to make a memorial. So I found an art professor, did an independent study, and they asked me to join the art program. So, and then I was in their wild BFA program. And they were lovely, but it was not, I had no. This story. <laughs> 29 it's a, minutes it's a true but interview. like people ask me they're like well what were your plans with your education i was like um i feel more like you know i basically spoke with this one professor that was like here like with all of these things you're trying to do why don't you just try to be an artist and that was actually a really good piece of advice though he apologizes to me now he's like i'm so sorry that so did you, you didn't grow up thinking of yourself as an artist that was not a part of your makeup of your as a person like in your preteen or teen years or whatever i think i mean i think i i was always like drawing on my clothes and making stuff to you know I, like i was really creative but i more saw myself as a musician because i i was in into singing in bands and vocal performance from like 15 on and before that really just had no idea what to do with myself you know like you kind yeah. of find yourself in the thing you like to do yes, so i say yes I am hoping that happens, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I continue yeah, to hold out yeah, yeah. at 48. That that yes, kind of, yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, so what was the question? <laughs> I don't even know that it matters. I, well, I'm just – it's so interesting to see the life that you have built. And this feels like the kind of life that someone knows from like the earliest days – I'm consumed by this one yeah. passion. and But that's not how it almost happened I mean, that, by accident. I basically could – I don't think there would have ever been a way for me to not have been pegged as an artist. I was told that from like, you know, just my whole life as people be like, oh, she's an artist, you right. know? And But the thing is I knew no professional artist at all. I had no idea like what that meant at all, you know, yeah. um, until I was an undergrad and met like my professors. Um, so that wasn't, it wasn't very helpful. <laughs> you know, it was like, okay, so I'm, I'm an artist. So what, what do, do I, I do, do now? Right. Yeah. 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 After spending 20 years interviewing jazz musicians, one of the questions I eventually grew to really enjoy asking was when did you first realize that the job you currently have is a job that was possible to have? Yeah. Because we just don't have very many models in our society for people to do artistic pursuits as their vocation and if we do the records of them are extremely romanticized and they don't have the kind of practical map of how that person became that person yeah. you know um so that that's something where like i i do my best with like with my students and with other people to be pretty like hey like i got an apprenticeship and i i did this part-time while i was doing that project like and that's how i ended up doing this project two years later because of the that work you know what I mean? And yeah. that's how you learn to do that skill if you don't have, you know, like tons of money to 
or it's not even about tons of money. It just has to do with like, if you do want to learn a skill like that, you can go the route of paying the people who have acquired those skills that hold workshops to teach you, right? So you save up for a long time and you do that for a concentrated amount of days or whatever. Or if you have to make money, you find a way to make money while you learn it. And a lot of times that just takes longer. It's just more of your life, you know? Do you feel like the results differ greatly in those two approaches? I mean, I would say that it's I have a harder time in academia because I've been in too many metal shops and my just my overall disposition is kind of it's just a little gnarlier than I would like it to be. And I spend a lot of time wondering if I'm going to get fired because I just said that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I also like have. Um, I think that the main thing is I I really, really, really care about creating more jobs for people in general that are interested in the arts and being artists. So we have tons and tons of people coming out of art programs. There's more artists than there's ever been, right, technically. But they don't necessarily have more job opportunities, right? Like in in my case, like I really just wanted to continually make and it was actually kind of painful for me to be in a job that didn't involve some kind of making or creative thing. And, And in State College and a lot of other places, you know, there are just not positions for people like that. And it's a bummer. Um, And there are, in my opinion, there are answers to that, like very, very clear things that can be done or just ways of presenting artists and their their lives to people that make it, you know, a little bit clearer to suss that out for someone who's young. Um, So like with my assistants, I show them how to look at contracts and, you know, make sure that they know how to make an invoice and just kind of these not very sexy parts that are important, you know? Yeah. Did I answer your question? Sure. Let's of? just say that you did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just looked to my left for like the first time in 20 minutes at the time. Mm-hmm. So I, now I'm I'm imagining myself in the intro that I yeah. will eventually cut for this saying, this is going to be a longer episode than normal, which is fine. Because honestly, I wish it was 10 times as long as it's going to be. But so let me make this possibly the last question, which is, okay. do you looking ahead, is looking ahead part of what you do as an artist? Do you have like, okay, this is the next thing I want to be working on? I was functioning a lot like that, and I do believe in having a loose five-year plan. Okay. But at this point, I don't I don't see the point in making any of the work anymore unless the actual experience of it and, like, what you're learning from it is, is worthwhile, right? So I am more going to kind of stay within this, like, um, evaluating of, you know, what what is the quality of my life at this point? And I don't know how to really project myself into the future with that being the way that I'm going to try to kind of approach things, you know, because literally like the um, making the paintings, people were like, it just changed the way people were reacting to the work and the way kind of my life went when the paintings started happening. Um, And now these pieces that project and stuff like different spaces are interested in them and I'm going to meet people I didn't think I was going to meet, you know. Um, so I think the the main thing is that um, I I basically feel like I I don't want to cease to actually be making work. I want like at least like a good chunk of every month to be making work, you know. Um, so in I mean in the future I just hope to be doing that. That's just all I really would like to continue to do and practice doing because it does take quite a bit of effort to not just be like. Well, you know, I have to make this happen within the next three years or else, blah, 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 you know, because in the end of the day, you're going to be dead. Sorry. 
like like I am actually really grateful for my older friends that I have because like a lot of them are just they're just killing it like they still have such incredibly vibrant lives but they do look back on you know what they're leaving behind what they're doing what they're doing now and they talk about it and I've been listening quite a bit and I am just all about <laughs> I'm all about this kind of like well you know was was that whole part of my life did any of that kind of like teach me anything or do I feel like um, I would advise someone to do that. There's, you know, there's a bunch of chapters where I would totally say no and some that I would say yes, right? Well, I think that's a lovely spot to end it. Uh, Annalisa Barron, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for giving me some of your time. Likewise. Can I interview you now? Sure. <laughs> <Okay>. Absolutely. <laughs> for the next 40 minutes. We'll... Yes. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Brief Chat. You can support the show at patreon.com slash vanarchism. You'll get early access to every episode, a monthly bonus show, plus travel essays and photos and videos from my Vanarchism project, which chronicles my van travels across the U.S. Thank you, and I'll talk to you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>